Welcome to a new edition of the Educationalist Around the World podcast. Today, I have the pleasure to be joined by my colleague, Simon Bozar, Associate Professor of Educational Sciences at the Department for Educational Research and Development, School of Business and Economics at Maastricht University in the Netherlands. Simon is the Program Director of the Master Program Learning and Development in Organizations, where he also teaches and coaches students. He's the Director of the SBE Learning Academy, responsible for supporting teachers' professional development, and a member of the management team of the Education Institute of the Faculty, responsible for teacher development and educational innovation. Simon's research focuses on how to support workplace learning and on how to organize performance appraisal in the workplace. He is often consulted by schools and organizations on how to strategically support workplace learning, course and curriculum design, performance appraisal, and activating didactical methods. Let's find out more about him and his work. Hi, Simon, and welcome to the podcast. I would like us to start about you, with you telling us a little bit more about yourself and your story into faculty development. Yes. Um, I had so far had a typical academic career, started doing research on uh, workplace learning. Um, I started doing that already from uh, day one. Um, when I started as a research assistant and later on doing my PhD, it was all uh, situated in the context of workplace learning. And very early on in my career, I started doing workplace learning on uh, employees in general, but that also included uh, teachers as a, a specific group of employees also undertaking workplace learning, uh, more lifelong learning. Um, so, yeah, from the one I got into the other in that sense that uh, at a certain point in time, I was asked to uh, set up a learning academy at uh, Maastricht University. And in other words, to put my research into practice. And uh, I was very much attracted by that uh, offer um, and took that opportunity with both hands. So I started setting up a learning academy at uh, the School of Business and Economics at Maastricht University. Um, and the main assignment was to uh, set up a center that was supporting uh, teachers' professional development. And we, we have experts in economics and business. Um, accounting, finance, marketing, and so on. Um, and the question was, can you help them in developing their more uh, pedagogical uh, competences further? So that's how I got into it. Um, um, because of the question to uh, connect my research uh, to uh, yeah, the setting up of the Learning Academy at, uh, at the faculty. Thank you. It's interesting to see how you got into, into this through the research Avenue, and I would like to ask to explore a little bit more of that um, in in uh, during this podcast. Uh, but let's start with with uh, with a little bit more about well, a little bit more about the learning academy, how you you thought it through, how you set it up, and also um, maybe also more about your personal approach to educational development. Yeah, we, we started by saying that I'm doing research on it, so we wanted to really translate that research into uh, the practices of the Learning Academy. Um, that means that um, we have been organizing different types of uh, learning activities at the Learning Academy. In, in general, in literature, a distinction is made between the formal learning activities, um, the more informal learning activities, and learning from more objective resources. Um, the formal learning activities is 
what is used to refer to uh, the classical training uh, workshops. Uh, so that is one type uh, of activities that we offer. The informal learning is, is used to refer to um, learning that you do uh, mostly in a social context with colleagues uh, through the exchange of knowledge, um, exchange of information, feedback with, with colleagues. Um, so, so that is something we try to um, support and, and organize. Um, and the third type, and the learning from objective resources, is the learning from books or from the internet. Um, that is also uh, a type of learning that, that is recognized in literature. How do we do that in the Learning Academy? So uh, I already indicated we do formal learning mostly through workshops and, and workshop trajectories. Uh, we also have a leadership trajectory, for example, focusing on uh, how to organize a program and how to um, create program alignment in a program. Um, we also try to uh, support informal learning, for example, by the introduction of um, mentors, mentors within the department, so mentors who are very close to uh, our colleagues um, and who try to be like a very central spill in the organization or in the department um, by creating uh, bridges with other colleagues and, and thus fostering knowledge sharing or by helping out a new colleague and, and onboarding that colleague. Um, plus those mentors also bridge with the Learning Academy and they are informing us on what is playing in the departments, um, what kind of additional training we should be offering. Um, and then the third type, um, the resources, that is something we try to organize mostly through uh, online learning platforms. Um, we have been investing uh, also because of the pandemic a lot in offering a lot of uh, online resource and online learning trajectories um, so that the teacher can really uh, learn by him or herself uh, at his or her own pace um, at home uh, whenever it suits. Uh, so, yeah, I think we try to have those three types of learning activities very much central in, uh, in the Learning Academy. And then we try to also keep in mind that you have different profiles of teachers um, in an organization. Um, we have uh, novices on the one hand and more senior people on the other hand. Or you have uh, management, if you're coordinating a program, for example. So we also try to um, match with those different profiles and offer all three types of learning activities for all those uh, types of people or profiles of people. That sounds that sounds uh, really comprehensive uh, in terms of offer and um, I mean I, we have to, to disclose that that we are colleagues and we are both working at the Learning Academy but uh, but I think it's really interesting for our uh, for our uh, listeners and that's why I main reason I wanted to have you as a guest to really present um, our approach but also uh, to also hear a little bit more about your personal approach in working with faculty also how you perceive your role how you um, yeah what are what are some 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 ways you are working with faculty what you see challenging there what is what you see uh, where you find satisfaction in that and so on yeah good question um... I think we take a very uh, supportive role. Um, what I find important as well is that um, you don't push anyone, you just try to support them in taking the next step as much as possible. 
Um, it's also why we have a, a policy that says uh, there is coaching on demand, uh, for example. And if you have a question, you can reach us. I think having that open door policy, um, telling teaching staff that uh, we are available, we are there, and we, we have an offer, um, but not pushing them, just showing what is out there, uh, what potential avenues are, or if they have a question, um, inspire them and together with them reflect on um, what they could do and what next steps could be. Um, I think taking that supportive role is very, very basic. Um, it's, it's only through helping them to reflect on what they are doing and, and what next steps are that they will really take the next step. Um, so I, I think that's a bit our, our basic uh, attitude, uh, a supportive role, um, being a companion along the way um, and hoping that they have the insights and uh, that they are able to take the next steps. And they, they often have so much experience um, and, and they know their own courses and, and their own context much better than we do. Um, so our basic uh, assumption is then let's work with that and let's just create the conditions needed to uh, let them take the next step and, and build for own, yeah, or, or build their learning trajectory. I think this supportive approach is, is really working hand in hand with the evidence-based approach and you having your, well, having our activities based on research. Um, I think I would, one thing I was wondering is whether you can assess and what are you doing to assess the impact uh, the activities uh, of the Learning Academy have on yeah. faculty? Yeah, that's always the difficult question to tackle, right? Um, what we do is uh, we work with uh, short questionnaires. I know many centers are doing that uh, to assess the kind of activities uh, that staff was involved in. Um, you can do that with workshops, but you can also do that with coaching and, and with coaching trajectories, or uh, you can assess mentoring uh, practices. Um, not always through the typical questionnaires. You can also make use of focus groups, for example, uh, with the mentors or with teachers uh, to really assess uh, the offer that we have or the different types of activities that we have. Um, if you really want to assess impact, because that's often the next question, um, yeah, that's where it becomes more tricky. Um, in the end, you hope that uh, the quality of education improves and that, uh, for example, um, students are assessing courses better um, or as, as having better quality. Um, you, you hope that you're doing better in rankings, but so far that is not a relationship that we uh, could prove or found. Uh, the effect is very indirect. Um, let's just hope that uh, the very easy satisfaction level uh, measurement that we have um, that that is saying a lot already on the, the long-term effects um, yeah, yeah i can you cannot ignore that a lot of other variables are influencing uh, quality of education in general um, but i think yeah, the combination of quantitative and qualitative data is uh, is a very important one and also taking the multiple perspectives um, not only the teachers um, but also the mentors for example and the students is a, is a way of, of tackling the fact that you cannot always measure impact uh, on a very high level in, in terms of Kirkpatrick for example. 
Yes, yes, I, I did ask you, I have to admit, I did ask you a tricky question with the measuring of impact, yeah. but uh, uh, but I was just, uh, yeah, I just wanted to put it out there because I think it's something all of us as, as, as educational developers, wherever we are based, um, are facing and um, in our institutions. And because it's it has so many different ramifications and so many entry points where you could start, um, you know, gathering data and analyzing data. Um, I, I, yeah, I, and like you said, there are many factors that also influence it and one of the factors that influenced it quite a lot in the past two years was the pandemic and I was wondering whether you have uh, some thoughts on how or to, to share with us on how uh, the pandemic influenced the work of the learning academy in terms of, of, of you know amount but also maybe type of engagement with faculty and what do you see as lessons for the future yeah good question as well I, I think many people will recognize that it was a very tough period um, for centers like ours, um, yeah, we really had to shift our mind uh, in a very short time frame. Um, what we try to do is we try to focus much more on uh, the online resources. Um, I think we combined the fact that we offered more online resources and provided more online resources with uh, need analysis all the time. We were sending out a lot of questionnaires to, to teachers to really check uh, what is paying now, uh, what kind of prob problems are they having, um, how can we help them, to then adjust um, the, the online learning platforms uh, that we created. Um, those were very limited at first, so we really elaborated on those online learning platforms. Um, on the one hand, it was about uh, very basic things. It just um, telling them about how to use Zoom, for example, um, or telling them about how to record uh, a lecture. Um, on the other hand, we try to go one step further um, by uh, showing them which kind of tools they could be using uh, online, for example, for having nice discussions with, uh, with a student group. Um, but yeah, at, at first, in the beginning, you saw that everybody was just going from face-to-face -face education to online education, uh, just taking their classes online, and they were not adjusting uh, too much. And then later on, um, teachers started recording more. Um, they were working more with video lectures or short knowledge clips, um, using uh, Zoom for in-depth discussions of what was studied at home already. Uh, so you really saw a switch um, in how teachers approached it. And I think that's also how we uh, evolved as, as a learning academy together with the teachers, uh, focusing on the basic stuff first, um, to then take that extra step uh, to really turn it into um, a nice yeah, hybrid setting and, and how to organize teaching there. Um, yeah, I, I think what we learned from it um, is to yeah, evolve with the teachers to do a sufficient uh, need analysis, to make sure that there's sufficient online offer as well, um, and to uh, make sure that there, there is always um, yeah, support close by, and invest in the coaching next to it, um, make sure that they can, can find you, that there are people in the department they can talk to. Uh, for example, especially when it comes to uh, organizing online assessments, teachers were struggling a lot. Um, and that's where the coaching really came in. Uh, they really needed somebody to talk to, um, somebody from the Learning Academy or a mentor in the department, 
to uh, together see okay how can I transform my uh, normally on-site uh, traditional uh, exam into uh, an online uh, exam or or, or take-home exam, uh, an alternative form of assessment, and that's uh, where coaching came in a lot. Very interesting to see how how people how what people approached you with and what what and how how their their sort of um, attitude towards teaching developed. Uh, I was wondering if you saw probably you did see a little bit at least a, a, a more engagement with teaching because they were forced to during the pandemic. Do you think that will continue or is likely to continue in the future? What's your personal opinion on that? There was a big evolution taking place already at Maastricht University in, in that sense that uh, we went to um, online or from on-site education to online education all of a sudden. Uh, but then after a while, um, yeah, we, we went for the blended uh, classroom. Um, and in between, we even had a flying tutor model um, where yeah, students were sitting in small groups and then a tutor was, was flying in to, to respond to questions they were having. Um, so I think yeah, it, we went through a big evolution from on-site education to uh, online education only to flying tutor model where students were working in small groups and having a tutor passing by, coaching them, um, reacting to questions to then a more um, yeah, hybrid blended uh, classroom setting, uh, what, what we still have today. Um, I think we will go for on-site education again uh, from September onwards, um, especially because yeah, both students and teachers are lacking the social uh, aspect uh, a lot and, and they really prefer on-site education if possible. Um, but you never know what happens, right, with, with COVID and what is going to happen this winter. Um, I think that as, Ma as Maastricht University, we are trying to, um, well, to hold on to the positive aspects uh, from the past pandemic. Um, what do I mean with that? Um, well, technology is always having that supportive role, of course. But sometimes education really becomes better uh, because of using technology. Um, and I think we want to hold on to some of those tools uh, of which we think, well, this is really improving the quality of, of education. Um, think about uh, collaboration with uh, companies, for example, online, which is easier, even if they are far, far away. Um, so th there are certain aspects you want to stick to, um, but if possible, yeah, we, we are going back to, uh, to on-site education. Um, simply because of the social aspect and socialization function uh, of education as well. Thank you. It's it's interesting to, well, let's see what the future holds for us. Uh, but uh, but uh, it's interesting to see that, that I think faculty is more um, you know, ready for, for, for whatever the future holds uh, as, a, as a result of the pandemic and how we all worked through it. Um, now, a little bit more about the Learning Academy. Um, so it is based in the Faculty of Business and Economics, and I was wondering how you... So this is faculty-based uh, educational development support. So I was wondering if you collaborate with other faculties within the university or with the central level, and in to what extent? Or not, and if not, you know, yeah. what are the explanations? 
Yeah, no, there is a lot of collaboration taking place uh, between faculties. Maastricht University has six, six faculties. Um, and in those faculties, you have um, a continuous professional development coordinator, for example, or a university teacher qualification coordinator, or you have an onboarding coordinator. And in our case, that's focusing a lot on problem-based learning. Um, and those coordinators are all uh, meeting together uh, at the central level um, under the umbrella of what we call ETLAB. ETLAB is the uh, Central Innovation Center. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the center where all those different coordinators come together. Um, but next to knowledge exchange between those coordinators, uh, ETLAB is also supporting innovation uh, projects. Uh, for example, they have a big innovation project on technology-enhanced learning nowadays. Um, so, yeah, ETLAB is at the central level uh, trying to foster knowledge exchange between faculties, but also trying to uh, steer education in a certain direction because of organizing innovation projects themselves. Um, so, yeah, there is a lot of collaboration, I would say. Thank you. And one last aspect about the academy and coming back to to uh, to the beginning when you actually said that it was all based and it is all based um, and in sync with with the research. Um, I was wondering whether uh, you how do you combine your teaching research and uh, educational development um, tasks? Yeah. Um, that's uh, a tricky one as well. It's not always easy. Um, I, I think the, the key lies in, um, but it doesn't always work out, but the key lies in combining uh, different tasks um, in that sense that you could do education innovation projects on which you can also conduct research. Um, to give you one example, uh, recently we have been introducing a TAMI, a robot, in the tutorial rooms. Um, and I mean, we're very much interested in how TAMI is embodying uh, students in the classroom and if that is having an influence on uh, the team conditions, for example, the social cohesion in, in the classroom. Um, yeah, we have problem based learning at uh, Maastricht, and so students are working in small teams of, of 15 students, and then social cohesion is an important aspect. Um, it's a very nice education innovation that we implement together with, uh, with teachers. At the same time, we try to conduct research on this uh, project. Um, it doesn't always work, uh, but I mean, if you can collect data on those education innovation projects uh, and nice results come out of it, you have a very nice win-win. Uh, the quality of education is improving or you're doing education innovation on the one hand and you're also doing research uh, on the other. Um, so I think that's a bit yeah, where, the, where the key lies, combining different kind of tasks into one and the same project. Indeed, and trying to find synergies between the different type of tasks. I yes. think this, uh, there, is, there is potential there in, you, in, 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 in combining those different uh, responsibilities. There is also a lot of danger in, in overworking, but, uh, but there is also potential yeah. in finding uh, synergies and trying to have one feed on each other. Um, what I wanted to ask you next is if you could give us an example, maybe, you know, if you want to showcase one of the initiatives or projects of the Learning Academy. Uh, sure. Um, oh, th th there are different projects. Uh, for example, the mentoring I, I was discussing before is something we only recently implemented 
and um, it's really making a huge difference. We have a mentor in every department now. Uh, those departments are yeah, centers of expertise, but that's also um, where colleagues know each other very well, uh, where the psychological safety is, is high. So I think it was a very good step forward to introduce those mentors within those departments uh, because those are yeah, colleagues that are close to uh, the teachers um, and who can easily help and support. But maybe also another project that we have been working on, which is also nice to, to mention, are the, the innovation vouchers. Um, we have been introducing, together with the Education Institute, innovation vouchers in the, in the faculty. Um, it are grants of 10,000 euros um, that a teacher can apply for. And um, if they get that grant, they can really use it to uh, yeah, invest in a certain innovation in their classroom, preferably an innovation that is uh, sustainable and that can be upscaled as well. Um, I think it's also a nice way of um, have, well, doing uh, teaching support and, and uh, uh, supporting teacher professional development. Um, the nice thing here is that uh, the Learning Academy is guiding and coaching if, if needed. Um, and it's a very bottom-up approach uh, because the teacher is suggesting a project, gets the opportunity um, to, to implement it, is getting uh, resources for that as well. Um, and putting the focus on sustainability and upscaling is an important one uh, because you also hope that after the the trial um, that uh, you, you can keep on, on using it and keep on implementing it in other courses as well. Um, I think that's a very nice example of um, combining strategy with the teacher support. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's, it's an, a strategy that is really implemented into uh, yeah, the, the strategy of the faculty, uh, very close to, to what the Education Institute is doing. Yes, great that you also mentioned that, because I think it's important uh, usually that the, the educational development work is aligned with the strategic vision of the institution or the faculty. And uh, the, the example you gave is, is a good example for that. I was just wondering whether how competitive it, this is and or how many people apply for these vouchers, if you have some not exact numbers necessarily, but just uh, to give a sense. Yeah, it's, it's not that uh, there was a big storm going on, that everybody was uh, willing to go for an innovation voucher, but there was certainly sufficient interest. I think in the past two years, we have been granting uh, approximately 10 vouchers. Um, it's not a huge number, but imagine that all those 10 vouchers, or even only five, uh, lead to an, um, an innovation that can be upscaled and that is sustainable at that point in time you did a great job already because that means in two years time you had five great projects um, that other teachers are willing to continue with as well um, I, I don't think we need much more huh? having that already is, is just a, a great result um, to give you some examples uh, there are projects focusing on virtual reality and how we can use that for um, uh, fostering uh, presentation skills uh, of students or uh, there is another one on uh, community building and how we can uh, also online build community with the external world, with students, uh, with alumni, uh, with companies. Um, or there is one on supporting academic writing and uh, using online tools for that. Um, so there's a big variety of innovation vouchers. Um, 
often working on very general things. And academic writing is something that is important in a lot of different programs. So I can imagine that a lot of different programs are very much interested in also implementing it then if it's uh, successful. Um, so yeah, so far I'm very happy with uh, how that is running and I can really recommend it to uh, every center. Uh, this sounds great. This sounds, this sounds like a great initiative to sort of plant the seeds of, of future innovation or, you know, at least, yeah. you know, thinking, thinking sustainably about, uh, about the teaching yeah. excellence uh, in your faculty. Just one question related to that. Do you, because it sounds like a very rich pool, even though not a, a huge one, but, you know, it doesn't need to be huge, like you said, um, a rich pool of, of, of knowledge created there and of, 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 try, of, of uh, experiments made. Uh, how... Are there chances for these people to share, to talk to each other and broader with the faculty and the university? Yeah, good point. That, that's actually something we're working on right now. Um, just yesterday we had our education day. Um, we, every year we have an education day focusing on a certain team. This year's education day was focusing on the innovation vouchers. And so we really created a platform there for all those innovation voucher fellows to present what they have been working on in the past half a year, year, two years. Um, the, the audience were teachers of the, of the faculty. You know, we, we gathered there with 70 teachers and, and they were asking questions, um, looking into the projects, uh, assessing and reflecting on how can I use it in, in my courses? Do I want to use it in my course or not? Um, but we could elaborate on that uh, for sure. I think next to the education day, we could bring those innovation voucher fellows together more often. Um, or we could uh, give them the opportunity to set up workshops for teachers. Uh, but that is something that is on, on our agenda, uh, but not put into practice uh, yet. So it, it's certainly a good suggestion uh, you're bringing up. Yes, indeed. I think the education day was already is, a, is already a good a good forum to to have those things. Um you know, uh, advertised and, and made made known to, to the rest of the faculty because of yeah. often innovation happens in small pockets and they are not really visible uh, to the majority of, of, uh, of uh, teaching staff. So I think that's, that's, that's a great step. Simon, I think to end with, I would like to ask you if you have a few tips, one or, one or two tips on for colleagues, for, for educational developers um, on, you know, how, how to approach work in the next years, uh, what is ahead of us, and maybe also how to mix research with, uh, with uh, practice. Yeah, um, yeah that, that last point is, is something I, I very much like in our center. Um, the fact that we are um, having a learning academy that is research-based, and the fact that we continue doing research on the education innovation projects we are actually implementing, I think that's a, a unique feature and that is something we certainly want to uh, continue. Um, next to that, I think that we should uh, continue uh, invest in, in technology and, and investigate how we can um, continue using technology to improve quality uh, of education. Um, given the pandemic, and that is certainly something high on the uh, agenda. We don't want to lose the good things uh, that came out of the, the pandemic. I think another important thing is that um, we are having that close link uh, with the strategy and the vision of the faculty. Um, I'm the coordinator of the academy, but I'm also a member of the management team of the Education Institute. And I think that strategic link is an important one. And that is certainly something to uh, continue with as well. Um, 
given the give the innovation voucher example uh, take that example in that example is showing you um, that uh, you can stay close to the strategy and the management team by for example making the management team also the jury of the innovation vouchers um, it's um, really a two-way communication and the the board saying we like that that voucher we want to grant it but they also are informed on the results then and how the project is taking further um, so yeah th those are my three main uh, takeaways i think uh, for now um, i think next to the yeah, yeah sorry yeah no i i think next to what we discussed uh, the the broad offer um, formal activities informal activities resources um, I think that's also uh, something to keep in mind. Yes, thanks a lot for summarizing very well uh, in, in, in a few takeaways uh, our discussion. So indeed, having a, a varied offer of structured and less structured formal and, and, and informal activities and of course uh, diversity, a diversity of resources is very important. Uh, but I really am grateful that you mentioned this um, this point on positioning of the center and how to sometimes we have to lobby for ourselves with the university management and I think this is a great example that you gave um, and and uh, the advantages that can come also from adding research to our portfolio of course with some challenges but also the advantages uh, and the breadth it gives to our practice. And of course, not forgetting about technology once we're all back on campus. Thanks a lot. This has been really, really um, inspiring. And thanks a lot for bringing the Learning Academy uh, uh, into the spotlight. Uh, I think uh, all of us involved there are doing a great job, but I think you made a great job um, explaining it and uh, um, hopefully inspiring other people to uh, not necessarily to uh, mirror our model, but maybe to take some inspiration from what uh, from what we're currently doing. Thanks a lot and good luck with the work in the yeah. future. Thank you, Alexandra. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. This podcast is part of the Around the World series on faculty development. You can find more stories on educationalist.eu. Watch this space in the coming months for more inspiration on professional development approaches in higher education from around the globe.